Serete, a Bleach fandom community podcast brought to you by Soul Society's Discount Bonkai Emporium. Why should the stray dogs have all the fun? Don't be outclassed by Renji. Come in now for our Bonkai Bonanza. Buy one Bonkai, get 76 free. Whew. My name is Del, and today I'm joined by Naomi. Hey, yeah. And uh, <laughs> among other things, we have a lot of Bankai to talk about today. Uh, I guess there were so I that honestly that was my main takeaway. There were so many Bankai in episodes fifty two and fifty three alone. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's like everywhere you turn, it's just like you know what? Let's just go Bankai. I'm just gonna right. It's like their way of flexing. They're flexing now. It's just like look at me. They're fully the flexing. Yeah, soldier culture, I guess, which I can't actually speak to. But yeah, this is the first time we've seen a bunch of captains come out in force like this. Um, I guess tensions are running high now is the mad blood stirring and all that. Yeah, uh, everyone's just kind of feeling it. It's like the day, the morning of the execution. Everyone's tensions are high. Everyone's just taking it out on each other. They really are. And I think there are a lot of different conflicts of interest that come into play here possibly that are exacerbated by the execution. Um, Okay, sweet. We will get into that shortly. Let's start off with those episode recaps. So we're going to launch in with episode 52, which is called Renji, Oath of the Soul, Deathmatch with Byakuya, Um, which is (laughs) a bit of a tease, really, calling it a deathmatch. But anyway, so what happens in episode 52 is... On the day of Arukia's execution, Renji books it to Sokyoku Hill, where both the main event and the massive magical halberd that gives the hill its name will be going down. On his way, however, he's intercepted by none other than Byakuya, and it takes almost no time at all for Captain and Lieutenant to clash swords. Renji decides to use his shiny, or should I say fluffy, New Bankai in combat for the first time, but this red-headed rebel is still too green to take on Byakuya, who soon also goes Bankai and slices Renji to pieces. In a rare show of what Byakuya probably considers kindness, however, Byakuya does congratulate Renji, saying that Renji's fang, so to speak, reached the classy-ass moon that is Byakuya after all. Meanwhile, Gein swings by to wish Rukia the opposite of good luck on her execution, and also Ichigo is still chilling with Yoruichi, trying to find his own Bankai. Just, you know, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, yeah. (laughs) It's so tangential. (laughs) It was. (laughs) (laughs) Which leads us straight into episode 53, Gin Ichimaru's Temptation, Resolution Shattered. In which we learn that Gein is a dick. And not just a little. <laughs> and not just a little, you know, little one. Grade A massive dick. By suggesting to Rukia. Sorry. No, <laughs> it's fine. What did you say? Sorry. I said that's why they call him a snake. Ignore me. Yeah. That's not ignore me. <laughs> yeah. By suggesting to Rukia that he help her escape just long enough for her to believe him before turning around and yelling, April Fools! (sighs) Thus crushing all the resolve and acceptance she had for her upcoming execution. Meanwhile, we get a look at Tosin's Bankai, we get a look at Komamura's Bankai, and in a fight between them and Kenpachi, the captains turn up to Togyoku Hill in advance of the execution, and Ichigo is still training. 
and quickly running out of time. Yeah. Oh man. Oh gosh. I but I before we get too far into it, I do just want to say that watching the scene, this is totally an episode 53 thing, not a 52 thing, but watching the scene where Gein shatters Rukia's resolve in that way. Uh, I, I, I watched that scene in a way that I'd never watched that scene before. And I am so curious about elements of Gein's motivation there. And I am dropping right now that I want to come back to that in the spoiler episode stat because yeah. Yeah. Cause there's, Oh my God, he's so sneaky. Um, okay. So, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just, I, I was just going to carry on by going, where was he going? Cause it was a one way street. Oh, I think he he intended to. He was he came there with the express purpose of speaking to her. I think I don't yeah, think he was going there. I think that's where he was going. Yeah, and then he just continued walking as if he was going towards the cell. And I was like, "There's no one in there, dude. You're just gonna have to turn oh. around and walk back embarrassingly." Maybe, Maybe he just wanted to get out of the sun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a, <laughs> he's a bit pale, isn't he? Bless him. Sunburn. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Cool. So, uh, I. So can, this could be incorrect because, full disclosure, uh, it's been a super busy time in my life and I haven't watched the episodes between the last podcast episode I was on and this one. I listened to the podcast, but I haven't like gone back and watched those episodes of Bleach. Is this the first time we get Ichirin Nohana as the opening? Yes, we got new music. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay, great, because I freaking love that song. Um, yep. I don't have much to say about it, but it opened when I was watching the episodes and I was full stoked. Because it's just very good. Yeah. Um, when I was watching last podcast last podcasts episodes, I continued on to this week's just so I could hear the opening. <laughs> mm. I listened to that song just on my own as a song I like to listen to often. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, frankly, what a lovely little homecoming after I was off of the podcast for a couple of weeks to turn on Bleach and just be like, oh, yeah, we're back, baby. So that was cool. Like I like I said, nothing to say about it. I just like that song and it made me excited. So I wanted to address it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. I, I guess I'm, I'm going to go into this saying that while Ichigo, this episode opens with Ichigo still doing his shenanigans with 78 million old man Zengetsus and Yoroichi looking over him and he's trying to figure out his Bankai and he kind of just spends... The, so I guess what I'm getting at is these next two episodes are really not about Ichigo, like, at all. No, um, but they don't fail to show us Ichigo just to say, hey, don't forget about me, I'm the protagonist, I'm still exactly. here. Exactly. Slaving away. Which I wasn't bothered by. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. It's fine. He's cute. He's doing, he's doing the good, good work. He is. Um, it's yeah. adding tension because you don't know if he's going to make it all the time. Like, we don't know if he's going to make it. Like, because I mean, Luke is there. theory, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> like, the way that all narrative structure works means he's going to at least get... And frankly speaking, it is it is difficult for me to imagine, because we've seen Ichigo hand Renji's ass to him before, and Renji got there. And also Ichigo managed to work with Ganju to build up the ball of spiritual pressure he needed to back in Keiko. Like, it's always close with Ichigo, but he always gets there. So far, we haven't seen him not get there. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely the guy that hands in the essay for half his grade at one minute to midnight. But, okay, but the, then the professor's like, ugh, I've graded all of the other essays and now I'm grading yours, so whatever, Kurosaki, here's your A-. minus. Like, it's it's very that. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Great. So Ichigo is currently looking at a C plus at best with Yoruichi, and eventually he's going to pull something out of his ass. Odds are at this point, like, I don't know, maybe it's because I've watched Bleach before or because Ichigo's had so much success in the past, but like watching him struggle with this, it, it, it made me more curious about when rather than if, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, great. So that's, that's Ichigo. We may not talk about him again over the course of the episode because at the moment he's just kind of doing the one thing. Um, so, okay. So we have in this episode, what I would consider one of the most iconic fights in this first arc, which is Renji versus Byakuya. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the first thing that I noticed, uh, was, the moment when Byakuya tries to go Shikai for the first time, which he tries to do pretty quickly as soon as he's down on the ground with Renji there. Do you remember the moment on the bridge when Yoruichi stopped Byakuya's sword from breaking apart into a bunch of little blades? Yeah. So Renji, I think, does... So, so I guess what I'm getting at is we might have an opportunity to learn some more about how Byakuya's possibly just Shikai, but it could be as Bankai to uh, operate because I think he's about to go Shikai and then Renji stops that with his sword in a way that struck me as very similar to the way that Yoruichi did on the bridge. So I think mm. physical pressure or perhaps conflicting spiritual pressure can stop Byakuya's sword from scattering, which was something I had not noticed before. Yeah. Do you think Yoruichi taught Renji that? Like, as they were I in the same yes, place? That's kind of what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I think because Yoruichi is clearly very adept at manipulating spiritual pressure in a lot of different ways. And, you know, I never thought about it before, but if Renji has been training under, like, direct attack squad 11 people and then Byakuya for the majority of his career, and then he gets Yoruichi's perspective in the secret training area, it wouldn't surprise me if he came into this fight with actually more techniques under his belt than we have names for yeah right and it just goes to show you can't you can teach an old dog new tricks oh my god yeah oh that was that actually oh that made my heart be like my my heart just physically jolted with like love for renji at that that was beautiful oh. renji love i mean Come on, yeah. Renji's like a soul king in this. Like Renji, I think was after Uryu was my first favorite character. Mm -hmm. I, I've I've really liked Renji for a while, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this fight especially was a place where that came to ha came to a head. I think Renji is very very lovable in this fight, actually, because it's really nice to see him. We've seen him fight Ichigo, of course, but they were at cross purposes, and so now seeing him stand up for friendship and being on the viewer's side he's not an antagonist in this moment it just yeah. makes him all the more lovable it does and he's really got it's and you don't really see it a lot in some like with side characters but Renji has got like character development you see him going mm. from this you know what I am always going to be with my captain I believe in him like she's my best she's my childhood friend I'm gonna do what my captain says to then turning around and going, you know what? Strange dude from the world of living orange hairs, right? You know what? Yeah. I should be standing up for what I believe in. And that's standing up to his captain and grabbing, biting at the moon, you know? So yeah, he has got that character development that's really good. 
He really does. All right. So uh, also as a means of adding to this conversation about this fight in particular, we're going to bring in a little sound bite from a member of the Discord server. Uh, this is These are some two cents from Hime, who was a big Renji fan uh, and who watched this fight and wanted to offer a few thoughts. So we're going to take a quick listen to that uh, before we before we dive too much further into episode 52. Hi, guys. Hime here to talk about the big Renji Biakia battle. Uh, well, their first big battle. Well, you guys know how much I love Renji, and still I think he went in a little too cocky. I'm sure most people would agree with me. Um, now, Biakia is extremely cocky himself, but in all fairness, he's earned it more. He could tone it down a bit, but for the most part, he's earned the right to be cocky about his abilities. I mean, look what he can do. Renji is has less experience and his bankai is immature and he thinks he's just going to go in there and defeat Biakia hands down. I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> um, that's not how it's going to work out. Now, Renji is trying so hard to beat him and save Rukia and when a lieutenant achieves bankai, I feel that would be a moment of celebration between the captain and lieutenant. Like, you achieved this you worked really hard and you made this happen and Renji and Biakia didn't get that and that kind of it's I'm not gonna get emotional though um I think my one of my favorite parts is at the end even though Renji's unconscious Biakia still acknowledges him I mean I use this fight a lot in my fix as like a turning point it's a really really good fight it really is and I don't know about y'all, but I am really glad Renji didn't die. <laughs> um, thanks for having me on. You guys have a great rest of the day. Okay, yeah, I, I liked what he may had to say about the moment of celebration between Captain and Lieutenant that Byakuya and Renji didn't get. Yeah, I mean, it was like, I hadn't thought of it that way, but he may definitely mm-hmm. has a point with it. Like, it would be like, your captain is eff- effectively your mentor. So any kind of mm-hmm. big milestones in your career are going to be celebrated. And these guys, they just, I don't know, they, there was no bro hug. They just, they fought. And yeah, it was very, yeah. almost not very supportive. No. Well, I'm not that Byakuya strikes me as a particularly supportive captain because and, and which is not necessarily a criticism because there are different leadership styles. Mm. Like we, I mean, not necessarily th- that it comes from the same place, but the little bits that we've seen of Soyphone, for example, like she's kind of cool and distant in a way that is not dissimilar. I, I wonder what, not even her lieutenant's experience, but just I wonder whether Squad 2 feels supported by Soyphone in the same way that, say, uh, that Rukia feels supported by Ukitake, or I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of a non-Squad 13 example, or um, the way that Squad 5 feels supported by Aizen, frankly, also. Yeah. I feel like Aizen would sit down and have like a little party and a tea party and celebrate the Bankais. Oh, whereas yes. You would get something like maybe Kenpachi, who instead of would say congratulations and now fight me as a way but to like thing, test it. The thing that's funny about that, because I, I had this thought when I was listening to Hime's commentary. So we, have, we haven't even seen, whoa, we haven't even seen Yachiru draw a sword, I don't think. So that's its own thing. Yeah. Ikaku doesn't seem keen on demonstrating his powers for his captain. 
I don't think, right? Right, and Yumichika's hiding his. Oh my god, we are going to talk about that in a bit, too. I have, oh right? my god. <laughs> Yumichika, I mean, right, so, I mean, I love Yumichika anyway, but I think, I think, I think that fight tells us a lot about Shuhei and tells us a lot about Yumichika. Yeah. Actually. And there's more to say later, because of course that fight hasn't reached a conclusion yet, but. No. <laughs> um, so anyway, getting back to the first fight at hand, which is Byakuya versus Renji, um, I agree with Hime that both of them came in with some attitude. I think that is true. Yeah, he was very much on that high. As Hime said, he was very cocky. Um, and he didn't really have his place to be that cocky, but he was running high with the determination and the resolve of yeah. what he wanted to do. And that made yeah. him... That, that's why he went in cocky, I think, as well. Because I feel like he probably didn't have a choice. And I think in this situation, Renji was willing to risk it all. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I suppose there's a level of cockiness, but there's also a level of I'm going to go balls to the wall because if I die fighting for something, this is something worth dying for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he, yeah, I, I'm sure he knew that was a possibility. Yeah. He must have. And then Byakuya is overconfidence, just comes, I imagine, from a place of very, he, he is so seldom one-upped by anybody. Like, you saw that look in his eyes, I'm sure, when Yoroichi stopped his sword from scattering on the bridge. Partly because it was like, holy shit, it's Yoroichi. But then <laughs> also, well, I mean, well, because that was a surprise. That was a massive yeah. surprise to him. Um, but then also, oh, someone stopped me. <laughs> like, every every time anyone pulls the rug out from Byakuya's feet, from under Byakuya's feet in any way, he's always like, what? Like, he is so, he feels that he's so untouchable. Mm-hmm. But there was a look of, imp- like, he did look a little bit impressed with Renji. It lasted yeah, for, like, a yeah. second, and then he turned it around, and, you know, he insult, he was impressed in the most insulting way possible, I think. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about actually articulating that the difference between you and somebody else is class? What? That 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 is just a level of self-aggrandizement that I cannot wrap my mind. I I mean that is that is some next level skewed perspective. It's like Renji is nothing more than the ground beneath his feet, and he's mm. he has the audacity to say um, that the difference between him is he is a marble stat he is marble, and Renji is the gravel that it was built on. You know, stepping yeah. the foundations. It's which is wild because without like not to take this metaphor too far but without a solid foundation the statue doesn't have anything to stand on actually if Byakuya didn't have a squad to lead he wouldn't be a squad leader exactly yeah Byakuya didn't have a noble house to head up he wouldn't be the head of a noble house but Byakuya hasn't figured out that you know he there are reasons as to why he is there and there was like there's the foundation, and he needs to be more appreciative of those foundations. Yeah, massively. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess when it comes to the way that these two faced off against each other, I guess what I'm saying is like it makes sense. It makes sense to me that both of them were so hard headed about it and fought as ruthlessly as they did. Uh, they both pulled out as many stops as they had to, and like Yakuya was not nearly as taxed by this as Renji was, but. Byakuya didn't have to go Bankai, probably, and he did. 
he he straight up looked at Renji and said, I am going to cut you into a million pieces. He made that choice. Yeah. But for someone who just achieved Bankai that morning, oh, Renji, like, because even Bayaku has said, like, once you've achieved Bankai, you've then oh, got man. 10 years of it, like, training it and honing it and making it more mm-hmm. mature. Mm-hmm. And I mean, day one with his new Bankai, it's like wearing ice skates and you've only just bought them. You need to break the ice skates in first. Yes, yes, yes. And like Benji literally has... It's kind of, it's the same thing. You like, you need to learn how to stop because Biakina straight up calls out the lack of control. And so like, sure, you've got the skates on your feet, but if you hit a wall, you hit a wall. (laughs) Yeah, you can't just keep going, running in. You've got, you've got to learn how to stop. You've got to learn to break. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But he did remarkably well, bless him. He really did. He really did. Um, yeah, it was, it was hard not, I mean, I felt proud of him in that yeah. moment. I felt proud of him the first time I watched this and I felt proud of him when I rewatched it just recently too. And I think we'd like to think as well that Biakia did feel a little bit proud of him as well. Cause as he yeah, yeah. said, he gave something to him. Like he threw his scarf Ooh, down yeah. at him. And yeah. I mean, that's an expensive scarf. It's not stated in any of the anime, but in the bootleg that oh, is an yeah. exp- it's an expensive scarf and it's something that's personal towards Biakua. Mm-hmm. So to take it off and throw it down at him is a sign of respect in that respect. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think it's safe think- to say that Renji's not gonna get fired over this. <laughs> I think there's a little bit yeah. of I think he may have like so actually maybe in the doghouse, but you know. Well, that's every house is a doghouse when you're Renji because technicalities. Yeah. But um, <laughs> <laughs> do you think then that Yakuya knew that Renji wasn't going to die? Do you think he maybe knew that, like whether subconsciously or not, that he w- he was conflicted and didn't see it through to the end and didn't like stay there until Renji actively drew his last breath or whatever. Do you think? I, yeah, I I think, you know, Bayakua had that level of restraint and control that he didn't deal the finishing blow that he is still, that he walked away knowing that he could give Renji a chance. Yeah. Maybe he sent something in the shadows knowing that help would soon come, or maybe he called for help. Yeah. And I guess I can't help but wonder whether there is a part of him that, and this probably is more subconscious because I can't imagine that he is acknowledging this to himself, but a part of him that wouldn't hate it if the execution were sabotaged somehow. Because then he can still say he did everything possible. He, he checked all of the personal boxes that he felt he needed to check for whatever reason. But, oh dear, oh gosh, it just didn't come together. Yeah. Technicalities. That, and frankly, that is very political of him. And Lord knows that there's a lot of bureaucracy and bullshit that he has initiated over the course of his life. Yeah, because he's not, not only is he dealing with the bureaucracy of the Gote 13 but he's also dealing with his own noble which we can only assume is mm-hmm. a completely separate entity to that of Ugh. the captains of the Gote 13 so he's like right. leading like being manager of two rival companies he's he's effectively the manager he's effectively the CEO of Disney and the CEO and- of Universal <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. yeah 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 <laughs> yeah he sort of is yeah <laughs> 
All that we know is that he's not going to be making a Batman movie. <laughs> Everything else is on the table. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So, it, 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 I mean, yeah, it was cool. It was, it was, the, the episode was largely this fight. And I was completely engrossed the whole time. And I care a lot about Byakuya and Renji is kind of what I got out of this. So, uh, other than that, I also just wanted to acknowledge a couple of things. We learn a little, not loads, but we learn a little more about Keto and uh, including some upper level Keto over the course of this fight, utilized by Byakuya, not Renji, because duh, <laughs> <laughs> poor boy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Byakuya busts out a Hato 33, so Katsui, which is a, a Rukia fave, mm-hmm. so Emily trends. Uh, which is quite nice. Um, uh, and Renji acknowledges that he does this without what he calls the Kotodama spirit chant, which is impressive. So we know that using Kido without the chant is an impressive thing. And we know that Byakuya has this capability, um, which is pretty cool. And then Byakuya also busts out Bakudo number 61, um, which is the one that leaves Renji impaled by multiple pink swords. Uh, uh, so it, it, for for what it's worth, it's just, I think, fair to name that the higher the number of the keto spell, the more involved and complex and difficult to manipulate the keto is. So Yeah. And the two yeah. differences between you've got the Bakudo, yes. which is the more kind of defensive, the bind, the way of binding is what it's classed mm-hmm. as. And then you've got the Hados, mm-hmm. which is the way of destruction. And then there is a third one, which is healing keto, which is called Kaido, Kaido which I believe yeah. is like, there's something, it's it's either a way or a path, well, Do is the way path word. So there, there's something, it's more to do with shaping the course of energy within a living entity than it is about imposing external force onto an entity. Mm-hmm. Um which I know because I write a look of a lot of Vokutake fan fiction. So. <laughs> um, so yeah, so there we go. That's, I mean, yeah, for what it's worth, Bakudo, Hado, Kaido, Kido. Yep. Yep. I think the only other thing that I wanted to acknowledge about episode 52 is some of the language that Byakuya uses when he talks uh, after Renji is on the ground, not going to get up again. Um he talks about uh, the part where he says uh, a beast may see the moon reflected in the surface of the water, but trying to capture it that way will only result in breaking the water. Um, And I wanted to just name that it is the word moon in this case, rather than anything else. At least it was in the sub. And also (laughs) uh, I just want to hold on to imagery surrounding the reality of reflections especially of the moon in the surface of water to come back to at a later time that's all i'll say about that well i actually go in a little bit in manga differences with regards to that that's perfect go ahead so for manga differences um any cutaway to ichigo filler Manga doesn't feel the need to remind you that Ichigo is still there. Um, I'm not shocked. <laughs> so the whole, as you were saying, with the whole reflection of the moon, um, the manga actually refers to it by the original, the name of the story, a traditional story, which is called Monkey and the Moon. Ooh, Okay. And I had started typing it into Google, and then I didn't finish typing it into Google. So it's here. It is um, 
it's basically artwork. It, this one refers to it as monkey reaching for the moon's reflection. And it is a artist. It's an, a work of art, a hanging scroll by Toki Tobin. Mm. And it basically depicts a monkey leaning down to reach for the moon in a pool of water. And the mm. image derives from a Buddhist story in which 500 monkeys hold on to each other's tail and attempt to seize the reflections of a moon in a well. They fail when the branch from which they are hanging breaks. The monkeys mm. stand for unenlightened people who cannot distinguish between reality and illusion. Oh, geez. That, okay. Yep. I, there are things about that that I still want to table for later, later, later. But <laughs> yes, definitely. Oh, yeah. buddy. Oh, buddy. So, yeah, the manga directly references that story. And whereas the anime just kind of glosses over it with the whole, um, you know, you are like a monkey and none of this star nonsense that we had back in episode 32. Yeah, yeah. That was very interesting to me to like just see that difference. And again, definitely something that we will come back to in a later episode. Stay okay. tuned. Yeah, true. <laughs> okay, uh, I think that's all I wanted to hit for episode 52. So do you have any more anime and manga differences? Um, yeah, just a couple. There's obviously the manga's got a lot more blood. Um, oh, sure, sure, sure. There's this whole um, scene where, you know, at the end when Renji goes to like stab him, but his yeah. um, Zanpak toe is disintegrated. Yeah, yeah. In the manga, the, the guard of the hilt disintegrators as well, leaving him with just the handle. Um, and then he grabs onto Viacua's scarf and bloodies the scarf. Oh my god. Which is then the scarf that uh, Bayakura takes off and throws at him. Um, oh, wow. So there's that kind oh, of. I like that. I wish they'd kept that. That's right. cool. It's kind of like a reaching out to like him. This... Yeah. yeah. Like he's, yeah, yeah. he's finally grasped the moon because he's actually grabbing a hold of him. So this well, symbolism is there. Throws into doubt, which like this is so gross, but I like I like that it maybe throws into doubt whether Byakia is like, here's my scarf because I respect you, or whether it's because it's like, oh, you've sullied my nice thing. Here <laughs> yeah. you go, you horrible person. Yeah, you keep it now, it's yours. I don't want your Yeah, yeah. yeah. You it, break it, you buy it. Exactly. Yeah. So definitely <laughs> there does play into that, whereas the anime looks as though it's a sign of respect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um interesting. But other than that, yeah, that was just the um, that was the manga differences. Oh, and then there's right. the whole um, the different colors. The anime has um, given everybody different colors for their bankai's. Um, you can see that <gasps> Senpong Zakura is pink and everything. Whereas Hell, yeah, the manga. Sorry, ev- the manga. Everybody just gets white. Bayaku is white. Um, oh. in the anime, in the mm. manga, even. So yeah. It is nice that they've kind of colored it. Oh my gosh. I I can't not associate pink with Byakuya. That's Mm. wild. Even though (laughs) in the server they're red. (laughs) Well, it's kind of, it's kind of. Okay, but the colors in the server are a little wonky to begin with anyway. Well, because, right, because y'all, y'all claimed red, which means that Squad 13 can't be, which I, whatever. (laughs) It's fine. We make our own rules in the Serite Discord server. Come find out what they are. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> if you're okay with Squad Thirteen being 
light blue and come join the Serite Discord server. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't like 13, the light blue um, 5 is a lovely purple lilac color. Which is also, I believe, not the color of Squad 5. No, is it? it's not. We should have had the blue. <laughs> It's like a tealy kind of color, but they chose that for ten because of yeah, his eyes. Yeah, for God's sake. <laughs> okay, well, sorry, yeah, laughing. Fine. So it's it's the, it's Toshiro stands. It's your fault. Is what we're getting at, I guess. <laughs> yep. Um. Yep. Good work. Good work, team. Uh. Okay. Wow. Uh. Yeah. Are we are we set to move on to fifty three at this point? Do you think? Yeah, just a shout out to the Renji wannabe with the tats. <gasps> Rikishi! Rikishi. Oh! <laughs> Wait, that might be... I might have put that for my Who Wore It Best. Oh, shame. I actually didn't. Same. No, oh. I didn't. I have another okay, one, but that was, that, was a, that was a close second. He's really <laughs> sweet. And like, also, it just goes to show that no matter who you are and no matter how you feel about yourself, you could be making a massive difference without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like oh. Renji's like... Venji started off as a stray dog from the Wukon, and now he's yeah. got people looking up to him in such a way that they would permanently mark their face with similar tattoos right? for him. That's a theme in Bleach. <laughs> I look up to you so much, let me get a face tattoo. <laughs> we have multiple examples of that. <laughs> uh, that might be a bit spoilerish, but yeah. I feel like... It's fine. Yeah, they don't know who we're talking about. I exactly. I'm not gonna no, I'm not. And yes, listeners, it's that face tattoo. It's the one you're thinking of. <laughs> um bless him. Who shows up in episode 53 briefly? Briefly, but he does. Oh, segue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> episode 53. You we discussed this at the start. Like I'd written down in my notes that Gein knows exactly what he's doing. But what is he doing? Like, what are his motivations for that? Like, what kind of, like, why would he do that? (laughs) Poor Rukia. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. So I feel that we can take Gein's motivation as fairly straightforward in the sense that if something happens and it is the result of something Gein says or does, then I think we can take it as read that Gein meant for that thing to happen. So in this situation, Rukia's resolve is shaken. I believe it was Gein's intention to shake her resolve the entire time. And uh, yes, and, and then the question becomes, why? My answer to that cannot go in this podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think at this point, we're just kind of waiting and we're watching to find out how this all pieces together. We've got 50 million storylines. They're all coming to a head. And it's going to be, we're just watching, waiting to see how they all collide together. Mm. Like, Mm -hmm. they're going to collide as spectacularly as Renji running into that wall because he hasn't learned how to break yet. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, it's true. There, there, there are a lot of moving parts in the Seireite at the moment. There are a lot of people running around doing a lot of things with a lot of different allegiances. Mm-hmm. I like, to be fair, I can't even remember why Tosin, Komamoa, and Kenpachi are fighting. <laughs> oh, no, wait. It's because I couldn't he helped... either. Oh, okay, good. Please enlighten me because I was like... It's because he helped the Ryoku <laughs> escape from four. That's what it was. Oh, 
So uh, they believe that he's now in league with the Ryoka. Which, I mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. And so, of course, you've got Ikaku and Yumichiga who are very much on their captain's side. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the only reason why he broke them out of four is because he wanted to fight Ichigo again. So Kem- yeah, just wants, so. yeah, Kampachi just wants to fight Ichigo, Ichigo again. Mm-hmm. Yumichika and Ikaku just want you mispronounced play with, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and so yes, I also think, I think for the most part. I, I could be wrong about this, and I may amend this assertion later, but I think for the most part, when characters speak about their motivations in Bleach, it's al- they are almost always being honest. So I think when Tozen expresses, for example, that he's interested in stopping Kenpachi in the name of peace and in the name of justice, and because he's... He's got his particular qualms with this system. I think Tozen is being honest. And I think similarly, when Kenpachi is expressing his own motivations, he too is being honest. And so we've seen this before in Bleach. This is an example of two people who, I mean, say what you will about Kenpachi being bloodthirsty. I don't know that Kenpachi is seeking like all out war for the sake of the destruction of the world. I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he's a chaotic motherfucker, but I don't think he's like a bad dude. Um, And so you have Kenpachi pursuing his own thing and you have Tozen pursuing his own thing. And then you have Komamura, who it's revealed is a friend with a couple reveals about Komamura this episode, but we'll circle back around to also that. But Komamura being Tozen's friend and being like, hey man, you're fighting in the way of peace? Well, actually, let me step in here. And then even when Komamura says, I'm not as nice as Tozen, I believe that Komamura believes that about himself, never mind what we've seen about like his interactions with Iba or what have you. There's, yeah, I think people are, people are, being as honest as they know how to be with each other in these moments of high tension. Exactly. Yeah, it's they're very much opening up to people. Like, everyone's revealing something about them. Like, we've had that big reveal about Komamoa, and I'm pretty sure that mm. we're learning this reveal as a, as a watcher, as a reader, at the same time as probably everyone else in the Serete is learning this as well. Yeah. Accepting, po- I would say that Tozen could be a possible, uh, and is, is Iba could be an exception to that as well. I don't mm. remember, but uh, Tozen, Tozen could be an exception too because Tozen doesn't rely on eyesight. Yeah, I thought that moment was really cool, actually. Too uh, the moment when Kenny and Kamamura and Tozen were all kind of coming down from that potential three-person conflict. There, there really was something about three people who are unusual in their own ways. Kenny, because he's one of the only captains, if not the only captain, who has come into this position having killed a former captain, and certainly the only captain who has achieved a position like this without uh, being able to call the name of his sword. Yeah. Um, and then Komamura, who like is that is who he is and has the head of an animal, which is unusual. Um, And Tozen, who is a disabled character. And I mean, for what it's worth, he is also a character of of color in a way that other people in the Serite are not, but I don't know 
what his experience with that has been. The the series doesn't go into that very much, I don't think. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, but so all of these people who have like different experiences navigating the world coming together and at some point kind of being like, what matters isn't external presentation anyway. All of them agree with that for different reasons, even if they are in conflict at the moment. Yeah. It's, yeah, they've all been very accepting and like inclusive in a way. I mean, yeah, okay, they're all fighting against each other, but it's they're not fighting. They have different priorities. Exactly. Yeah. They're yeah. not fighting because of the way someone looks or the way someone um sounds like. It they're fighting because they all have different prior not priorities. Beliefs. Like ideologies, yeah. Yeah, ideologies, that's the word. They all they all believing in something that's different. Like Kenny just wants to fight. Kenny just wants to have fun. Um, at Tolson's there for justice and mm. Komamoa's there for loyalty. Yeah, yeah. It made me like all of them more. I guess I, yeah, I haven't, I, I've never really spent too, too much time thinking about Kenpachi. I've spent some time thinking about Komamora, actually, um, and Tozen in a very tangential way, but seeing them all voice their ideologies and like in a very quick way, because there was a lot of jumping around in this episode. So they're dwelling on it would not have been helpful for the, the narrative structure. Um, so hearing them express themselves quickly and accurately and just like have that moment and then move on because we've got other things to do storytelling wise. I was like, damn y'all like, and they're all captains. Like, how how cool that? I mean, the Gote Thirteen is deeply imperfect, but the fact that all that Yamamoto approved the captaincy of all three of these very different people—that's pretty cool. Yeah. And speaking of captaincy, I love how we got that little tidbit of information of how you become a captain. Yes, the yes, three different yes. ways you can become a captain. So, like I should say, Ken Kenpachi became captain because he defeated the previous captain of that squad with an audience mm-hmm. of over two hundred members. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got the normal way, which is to go through a captain's proficiency exam in front of three captains, including the head captain. And then mm-hmm. the final way, which is the remaining seven captains approving, like recommending and approving off on it. So it's like, it's nice to get those little tidbits of the inner workings of the Gote 13, like those little details of how it happens. Yep, yep. And the prerequisites for it. It was good. Yeah, it really was. And it was, yeah, it was a cool way to drop that bit of exposition too, because it allowed Tozen to then be like, I don't respect the way that this happened for you. Um, So let me just, let me express the ways that I do have respect for, and then also mm, not you so much. (laughs) Um, My gosh. Okay. So yeah. Do we want to talk all, do we want to talk about the the Bankai, the many, many Bankai that we see in this episode? The many, many Bankai. I mean, I'm just in awe of the sound design before behind Tosin's Bankai. Oh. The whole concept of Tosin's Bankai is pretty awesome. I don't know exactly how it ties into his Shikai just yet, but the whole concept of Tosin's Bankai and the sound design in the anime behind the Bankai of just like, you know, you hear the, the, the ringing of a sword and the Kempachi's bells. It was just really something to behold, just how much detail the anime went in with that aspect of it. It really added an extra yeah. layer to it. It really did. Yeah. It, I mean, you, you, because like by nature of the fact that it's a 
TV show for, for, for most viewers, like you are watching the show, so you can't simulate that experience exactly, but they did a damn good job of coming close. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. And then also like, I got, I forgot about the moment when Kenpachi was like, aha, I know how to get you close to me. If you stab me, I will be able to pull you in closer and shatter your Bankai and then we're going to be fine. <laughs> Buddy, that was, that was some hero shit. That was... It was, that was extreme. It was I, the fact I that he like, listened to Yumichika's <laughs> advice. I know! I know! He's like, just come up. You're like... <laughs> that was so cute, by the way. I know. The fact that he thinks of his third and fifth seat as if to say, how would they get out of this situation? And yeah. Yumichika's <laughs> like, just give up. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, give up. And you know what's funny is because Yumichika was like, I would give up in a beautiful way because, of course. And then to Kenny, getting stabbed and drawing blood probably is the most beautiful way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, this is this is why Yumichika can vibe in Squad Eleven, dis- kind of, despite mm. his Zampacto question mark mm-hmm. <laughs> answer mark. That's a fucking keto type, and we know it now, sir. <laughs> Oh, what have you been hiding? Yeah. And Mm. but the fact that he willingly shows Shuhei this bankai, Mm -hmm. I mean is Shuhei a gossip? Is this just gonna go around? It's just a Shikai, actually. I don't think he goes Bankai in this moment. I think it's just a Shikai. Yeah, it's a Shikai. Shikai. Yes, yeah. yeah. Sorry, did I say Bankai? I didn't mean to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. (laughs) But yeah, the fact but it also leads to the question of he doesn't have two shikais. He's just been concealing his real shikai and hiding mm-hmm. it within a mask of another shikai. Like, mm-hmm. he, and that wonder if that means that you Ooh. know his first shikai, the one that we saw when he was fighting Ganju, maybe isn't as strong as this new shikai because that's its full potential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there, I mean, there, there's a lot that. I find really fascinating with Yumichika when it comes to things like aesthetic and appearance and presentation. Uh, so it kind of, it reminds me in a way that I imagine he might relate to um, of like, it's the difference between my face is beat and I am taking this picture with this filter and posting it publicly versus like, this is just my face. And the keto type Zanpakuto is just who he is, raw, unprepared, uncovered. Um, and he doesn't want to show that to everybody because maybe there are flaws, but at the same time, it's that whole thing of invulnerability. There is often power and Squad 11 ain't about vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So he finds himself, I'm sure, in a pretty tricky situation. And you know, it also makes me wonder what his journey was like back at the academy, right? Because I can't imagine, I, I don't actually know, but I can't imagine it takes everybody until after they graduate to discover Shikai. Like I imagine part of, th- this could be totally headcanon, but I imagine that part of the training you receive as an academy student is figuring out how to tap into things like Shikai. So I, I kind of wonder what Yumichika's very first experience ever of Shikai was like. Like, how did that manifest? Was it the keto type Zanpakuto or was it the kind that splits off into multiple blades? And who was around him and how did he feel about that? And like, what was the progression like of getting from the fake Shikai to the real Shikai or vice versa? Yeah. 
I wonder as well. We learned last um, last two episodes that there's um, an exam to get into this like the different squads. So it yeah, might be yeah, like yeah, yeah. each squad has their own exam as a way of like proving that you are worthy for that squad. So it may be yeah. that to get into squad 11, he didn't even need to show Shikai because it was just Oh, that's force. a really good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, if Kenpachi was captain already, what's Kenpachi going to do? Value Shikai in that situation? Not so much, I don't yeah. think. Ooh. I can just imagine yeah. like this huge, big kind of tournament style free for all where everybody just fights and then the top five standing become the top five seats. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I could totally see that. Mm. Ugh, which especially like, okay, just Yumichika saying that the prettiest number belongs to Ikaku using that phrasing made me be like, oh my God, like whether you ship them or not, like they share something really special. So that was just yeah tugged at my heart here um the fact that he doesn't like the number four and the number four in japanese is considered an unlucky number because it is very similar depending on how you pronounce it to the word for death i was like "Mm." Mm. i mean (laughs) sure it's not like and that's also i'm sure why squad four is the healing squad because it's like oh brush with death yeah the putting the sheen and shinigami whatever um but um uh uh yeah and but, then, but also, how vain can you get that you love a number? <laughs> uh, well, well, okay. Do you not have a Do you not have a favorite number though? Not really. No. Oh, okay. Mine's thirty one. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> 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 no, mind. Maybe that's just me. Like my my. Like if someone says what's what's your favorite number to me, I tend to go for thirteen because it's so regarded as unlucky, and I just want to be that rebel that goes, "Yeah, mm-hmm, look at me." Mm-hmm. So like, but it's not yeah. it's not really my favorite. Like I don't have a favorite number. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind that. Well, anyway. <laughs> Um, okay, we also see Komamura's Bankai. Yes. Like, I like the progression of Komamura. Like, he starts off with a hand crashing down, punching as part of his Shikai. And then his Bankai Mm -hmm. turns into this huge, the rest of the hand that we saw from the Shikai. So there's that progression and the that you can see that the Shikai and the Bankai connect in some way and they follow on. It's obviously more stronger than the Shikai, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. And you can see that with, um, what's his face? Viacua. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can see like the Oh, you would be so mad if you, <laughs> no. if you forgot his name. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this petty bitch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like blacklisted from ever going near squad six. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't want that anyway. <laughs> with yeah, <laughs> with all of the all of the bankais that we've seen, even Mayori's bankai, you can see the progression. It's just Tosin's that I've not yet found the progression of that bankai from shooting yeah. shorts, shooting shorts, shooting swords. That try saying that <laughs> ten times fast. Um, you have to now. <laughs> I know. Shooting swords. There we go. Um, to entrapping someone in a dome that nullifies the senses. It's, I've not found it yet. I don't understand that one. Yeah. I mean, that's not to say that all Bankais and Shikais connect, but the mass yeah, but majority like they, like that we have. Do. Yeah. Even Renji's has a 
like you know you've got his sword that's got the different separations and then you see that the different segments uh, in his bankai when he's got the baboon king okay so i'm reading a little bit more about tozen's shikai at the moment and it looks like both of the shikai abilities that we've seen have to do with following vibrations in the air and have to do overtly with sound. Okay. So the first one, um, and and the command, depending on how it's translated, is either cry or like sometimes howl, which I don't like as much because I feel like that's the overlap with Renji's is like not yeah. helpful. Um, so it creates a high-pitched tone over a wide area, according to the fandom wiki, um, and it overloads the hearing of anyone in range and knocks them unconscious. And so the manipulation of the sentence, uh, sorry, the manipulation of the senses is consistent. Um, oh, this, yeah, this that's the one he used again. Tone. Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the shooting swords moment. So I think visually there's something similar with the way those circles shot out and then encased everything in darkness. Um uh but that's that's pure aesthetics. Other than that, it seems like the sword itself vibrates and then when he moves the blade a trail of vibrations is what leads kind of, like not exactly like echolocation but he's using the vibrations of his sword to calculate distance between himself and the adversary, and those vibrations determine where the blades fall. Something like that. Okay, all right. It's, I, yeah, it's a it's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, but that's I don't know. It's better than no through line at all. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah, because I'd forgotten the one that he used against Uyu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was only Which, like I guess, a brief thing that you saw. Yeah, and that like that's another thing that it's just like worth naming and clarifying is that Shikai isn't just one ability for everybody. Sometimes a Shikai can do multiple things and you can have multiple Shikai special abilities. Not everybody mm-hmm. does, but you certainly can. Yeah. Should we talk about Kumamoa and the fact that he is a dog slash wolf slash some kind of animal? Oh, hang on. Yes, let's... <laughs> Let's, yeah, and that's another thing that's like I've I've known that for so long because I've been a fan of Bleach for so long that I always forget like the hoo kind of <laughs> yeah and uh, element of that. Oh my gosh! Because we've spoken about this before in previous episodes, where it's not just like human people who are like humanoid in appearance. You've got giants, um, mm. and you've got boars that people ride on so to have this kind of other entity is that mm-hmm, the, was that mm-hmm. a word to use um oh, of, sure, sure, sure. to sound like someone who is they're not humanoid in appearance they've got a very kind of animalistic appearance to see that mm-hmm. is a stark contrast to what we've used to but fits in the realm of the giants and i mean he is pretty tall as well so he's he's the tallest captain he is actually He's, he's, oh god, I don't remember how tall he is exactly, but it's like nine seven, foot, seven, eight, nine foot. Is he? Oh, is that oh. is that someone we haven't met yet? Uh, nine and a half. Nine, oh, and, nine a half and a half feet tall. Yeah, and then I think the next tallest. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I know for for a fact that Kyoriku is six foot four. I think he's the next tallest. So you've got six foot four up to nine and a half. That's the big. Well, oh, difference. excuse me, nine. Oh, not not quite nine and a half, just shy of nine and a half, actually. Mm-hmm. But yes, quite a big difference. He's also six hundred and sixty-two pounds. Fun fact. 
uh, 301 kilos. Yeah, dude, that's a lot he's a, of... He's a big boy. Yeah, I mean, he's got all that height. And I wonder how much of that is fur. Yeah. <laughs> and I think <laughs> I he's know. also just very, he's very um, sturdy, muscular. He is, He's probably yeah. pretty dense. I mean, how much did that bucket weigh, though? Is half of that the bucket that he had on his head? <laughs> I, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, the, you know what? The weight of concealing his identity was immensely heavy. And then when he shed it, yeah, he he definitely, he used to be <laughs> 750 pounds. Then he shed the weight of secrecy and is now only 662 pounds. He doesn't know, he um, has the weight of secrets on his shoulder. Yeah. Secrets are a heavy, heavy thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that whole reveal was the way it was done was kind of cool. Because it was almost as if mm. you can, like, the sword came crashing down and hit his um helmet um mm-hmm. similar to kind of like how you would um consu a hollow yeah i was thinking that too <laughs> <laughs> um so there's that kind of symbology there of you've got the um the comparison between what they do and what they're doing at that moment and then the way it shatters and you all you see is an eye and you yeah. from that from that eye you can see that it's not skin behind it and then it all just kind of yeah. breaks and crumbles to the ground and you're like whoa what just happened yeah. but yeah yeah it just it goes to show that like th- truly this lineup of captains i mean there there are some people who are kind of you know just what you'd expect i suppose like there's nothing shocking about a byakuya or a soy phone say but then you have a mayuri and you have a toshiro and you have a komamura and you have there, there, there is a lot of variety in this group of people. Yeah, come join the Gote Thirteen. We have children, short people, random hot boys, and a puppy. Okay, okay. Hey, thank you for that. I appreciate the hell out of that. But I also want to add: come to Squad Thirteen. We have cookies, literal cookies. That's not a euphemism. We just always have cookies. Cookies. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and tea. And tea. Yeah. Warm hugs. Yes. And no lieutenant. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you don't need a lieutenant. Um, You've got three third you've got three third seats, you've got two third seats. You're just enthusiastic. (laughs) Enthusiasm doesn't always make up for skill. Um Um, on that note, actually, uh, so we get, we get to the point where Rukia is like positioned on Sokyoku Hill, ready for this shit to go down. Uh, and Soyphone is talking to her Lieutenant Omida, talking about how few people showed up, which makes sense because everybody is occupied with fights all over the goddamn Seirete, which by the way, is taking a fuck ton of collateral damage right now. Buildings <laughs> are falling down all over the place. <sighs> and they can't, so that's fine. And they can't blame it on the Ryoka because the Ryokas aren't fighting blaming these battles no! at the moment <laughs> so shattered skyscraper like it's all within the house yeah uh, it, uh, um so all of that is going on uh and soy phone makes note of who is present um squad eight is there well or rather the captains and lieutenants you've got nanao and kyoraku are both there isane of squad four is there but unohana is not uh byakuya rolls up a little bit late uh and ukitake who is rukia's captain is not currently present hmm. so yeah even with ukitake's health concerns it's a member of his squad you'd think he'd be there despite the fact that he does have he is 
can be quite gravely ill on some days. You'd think he'd push well, through that. Well, because we've seen him. Yeah, we we just saw him in like an episode or two ago, uh, being fairly unwell and still standing up for his lieutenant. Yeah, yeah. when when well, standing up for oh yes, 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 exactly for Kyan. Um, yeah, right, right, and that involved far more physical. Like, I mean. If he'd asked Kyoraku to carry him, do you think Kyoraku would have said no? I sure don't. No, he, yeah, oh. Kyoraku would have carried him. <laughs> yeah. so Piggyback on it all the way. Well, except it would have been deeply impractical. They both would have fought and then they would have ended up dropping him, poor boy. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, so anyway, yeah. Uh, th- and it's also just like, I don't think the Sokyoku is used very often. You'd think this would be a pretty big event. Not that like public executions are cool and I'm advocating for a return to that, like it's French Revolution times or anything, but. And the fact that Vukia is an unseated officer. Mm -hmm. And it's been, uh, this might be a spoiler as well, but it's been stated that this, the repentance cell that she was in was previously only used for captains. So the f- yeah, this- I think yeah, that's fine. I think yeah, yeah. So there's um, that whole thing of this is an unseated officer who's getting a captain level execution. That's a bit right. unorthodox as well, right? I just can't imagine if I were anybody, and I don't know whether there are like whether there's like VIP access or some shit. But like if I were an unseated officer or just a random squad member, and I knew this was going down, I at least would be curious. I would want to attend if I could. Yeah. I think it's a big deal. It seems like a big deal. Um, is there anything else you want to touch on from the anime or do you feel good to go on to anime and manga differences? Um, I can go on to anime and manga differences because I there's something that links to what you've just said. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you um you mentioned all the captains that were at the hill and you said that Asane was there <gasps> for squad 4. Was she not in the manga? No. Unahana was there in the manga. Oh. Unahana was at the hill. Oh. Unahana didn't heal Renji. Was so it just Hanataro? It was just Hanataro. So there was oh this whole God. there was this whole scene in the anime where Renji's blinking eyes open and you can see a shadowy figure walk away. And from the profile of it, you can tell kind of that it's Unahana. That's not in the manga. So there's no shadowy profile walking away as he waking up. He just wakes up and it's just Hanataro um, healing him with Ganju off to the well, side. no wonder the anime was so vague about it. It was like, I didn't see who it could have been, but surely there's only one option. Well, not quite so much, Hanataro. That is not canon. Not that you know what that means. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because there's a whole... It links in because the anime kind of implies that it was Unahana because she's not at the hill. Isan is just there by yeah. herself. But um, when Soifon points out who's all there, Isane and is standing right next to Unahana. So there was no oh, way Unahana weird. could be healing and be like somebody can't be in two places at once. Yeah. Oh, weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a strange change. Yeah. Huh. Um, and then the final thing, speaking on with Hanataro, is something really, it's, I don't know if it's, it's really random in the way that Hanataro says it. Because in the anime, Hanataro is trying not to let, trying not to get Renji worked up. He's like, don't worry, Ichigo will handle it. We have faith in Ichigo. Mm. Whereas in the manga, Hanataro is like, Renji, please go save Rukia. Please go save Rukia. He's <gasps> physically healing Renji so Renji can go save Rukia. Oh, gosh. So there's a lot more pressure. Sanataro, 
Does Hanataro know that Ichigo is in a secret training area? Does Hanataro have any idea where Ichigo is? I don't. I don't think so. Does I don't he? Think so. No. Okay. So that would ex- that that actually makes sense to me then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's because like, who else can Hanataro rely on in this situation? Exactly. He's no idea where Ichigo is. He's mm. worried that Ichigo might be dead. Or I mean, he saw Which Ichigo's- reasonable concern. Tbh, like he. Yeah, he could be. Exactly. If Hanatoro can't sense his spiritual pressure, like, oof. Exactly. And the last thing he saw Ichigo was that Ichigo had just been punched in the gut by Yuoichi and carted oh, off yeah. somewhere. Oh, yeah! Oh, you're so right about that! <laughs> so, oh, poor boy! Oh, oh yeah, no. like, poor thing is thinking the worst of Ichigo while still trying to, like, figure out how to save someone he became really close to. So it's a case of... his cotton tabby. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> So, yeah. Well, I guess we'll see how that plays out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And then the uh, final difference is that um, Tosin's flashback had more. There was a lot more. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Um, there was a lot more conversation between him and his friend on the hill and what they're fighting for. Um, his friend mentions that she's getting married to a Soul Reaper. She's going to the Academy to become a Soul Reaper. Um, and then... Whereas in the anime, it's just kind of they're sitting on the hill, they're talking about the stars, and then the next thing you know, that friend is dead. Um, whereas the manga yeah, goes into a little bit more detail with the fact that she became a she she, she married a soul reaper, she became a soul reaper, and so that kind of there, and it's worth remembering. I sort of like that more because it. A reinforces that a man and a woman can just be friends. Um, And B gives us more insight into how much Tozen values friendship specifically. Mm -hmm. And it kind of leads into his justice as well, because he's there. Mm, Yeah. Mm -hmm. His his friend became a soul reaper and then died as a soul reaper. So he's got that justice to uphold of kind of fighting for what she believes in the justice in there as well so it leads mm-hmm. into his whole ideology as well and it also goes to show how some similar experiences can lead to different results because if you think about the way that ganju and kukaku reacted to kyan's death i mean the circumstances are different of course slash i suppose we don't really we don't get too much insight into how tozen's friend passed away uh but Either either Kukaku or Ganju could have said, I'm going to take up my brother's mantle and fight for what he fought for, but they didn't do that. They went a really different road. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But that is oh. all I have for episode 53. Wowee. Yeah. Okay. Although, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Sorry. Yes. Oh, no, no, no. This is beautiful. <laughs> Can we just appreciate the fact that in the manga, you know how they have those emakis at the end? Yeah, uh, yeah. This one is about um, Jinta and Con in Ichigo's body, and they fight over Con's lion body as Yuzu gave it to Jinta, who has a crush on her, as a good luck charm. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so there's this whole fight over Con's lion body between Jinta and Con and Ichigo's I'm body. annoyed <laughs> that Jinta has a crush on Yuzu. I don't know. That, that, that sits weird with me. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they're the same age ish. I think it's like, well, well, well they we know seem of. the same age. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't fucking trust that. 
Jinja could be 300. No, he couldn't be 300. <laughs> no. He could be 100. I don't fucking know. You don't know. <laughs> He's probably not. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because Yuzu seems like such a, I mean, I know that she has a lot of mature qualities because she looks after that, that family. Yeah. So much. She does a lot. But at the same time, like, I'm like, oh my God, she doesn't need dating drama too. Ichigo's not there, so we need to protect Yuzu from. Oh, well, that's better. That's. From the rough, from the roughness that is Jinta, who hits people with baseball bats. Yeah. He does. I wish Yuzu all the luck in the world because Lord knows she needs it. (sighs) (laughs) Well, uh, on that note, Shall we delve into the Don guy? We shall. So the only really bit of news that we have is that um, the lovely author, the lovely mangaka of Bleach, um, Tite Kubo, did a drawing exchange with the mangaka of Jujutsu Kaisen, who is Akutame Gigi Gege. But the, it's the mangaka of Jujutsu Kaisen. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that means older brother in Mandarin. But let me confirm before I talk out my ass about that. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So depending on how, what the language of origin, I was right about that. Uh, Guga means older brother in Mandarin, but that could be completely unrelated to this person's name. Oh, okay. Uh, but fun fact, daily, daily <laughs> Mandarin word for those who are interested in that sort of thing. I have not taken a, a class in Mandarin since... 2015 so anyway there we go um so yeah they did a drawing exchange in which kubo drew a character from um jujutsu kaisen and then the jujutsu kaisen mangaka drew mayori and the art styles they're very similar but the level of detail that the other mangaka went into creating this mayori is really good um so we will it's on Twitter, so we'll link that in the description so you can find that there. And that's really all that we had. There was nothing. We're still waiting on that date. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we'll keep you posted. Of course, as we know more, you will also know more. Uh, solid. So then, shall we move on to our Shinigami Cup Peroxide Edition? Um, I guess it's just the two. Yeah. So we, I don't know. Complicating things. Uh, who wore it best this week? Uh, we hit it a little bit already, but I wrote down Yumichiko wearing the number five because <laughs> of its beauty uh, and because of the way that he spoke about Ikaku wearing his number three. So Aww. little bonus points to Ikaku there, but yeah. All of mine are very earnest this week. <laughs> Whereas my who wore it best was your second choice, which is Rikichi and the eyebrows, but also the AV adapters he has in his hair. I don't know if you noticed that, but oh he's God, got right? like a red, white, and yellow AV adapters stuck in his hair, which is adorable. You should be in Squad 12, man. <laughs> right? Can he plug them in and amplify sound? Jack earphone jack was earphone jack. <laughs> It's the ultimate My Hero Academia Bleach crossover. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Oh, very good. Uh, So for best ship this week, uh, like I said, we're playing it earnest. Uh, I chose the the partnership and friendship between Tozen and Kamamura that we get to see a little of um, with a special mention to the potential thruple that is Kenny and Kamamura and Tozen who all 
uh, find themselves on the, a, a similar side of an ideology that doesn't have to do with caring about outward appearances as much as internal values. So good mm -hmm. for them. Yep. Whereas my favorite ship is your who who wore best, and it was Yumi oh and God! the number three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, perfect. They're clearly made for each other. They are. Bless him. But mm. in order for him to get the number three, then they don't know. We don't want that to happen. So he can stay as number. No. He's just gonna be happy with number five. Cause I suppose so. Yeah. Because I don't see anywhere up. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, oh my gosh, actually, <laughs> my double take, double take comes back to Ikaku and Yumichika again. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a little comedic bit, sort of. So after the, uh, uh, after the ending credits of episode 52, we get a little bit of information about, it's, it's one of those like super quick rapid fire. I think Cone's voice is involved. Um, oh no, wait, it's not Cone, it's Yachiru. I'm so silly. Um, talking about like the rules of squad 11 one of which is like one you have to have a direct zampak to weapon attack two <laughs> you have to die gloriously in battle and then yachiru pops in is like number three you have to obey the lieutenant uh and Kaku <laughs> and Yubitika are like what no we don't that where did that rule come from and then she calls them the shiny duo and they like they straight up are like hey don't give us a duo nickname and i was like oh my god Yachiru ships them. Oh, <laughs> Yachiru ships them. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they have a ship name <laughs> within Squad 11. Um, and again, like Aww. whether you think that's romantic, platonic, like I think both make a lot of sense. And I mean that earnestly, even though I'm all here for queer representation. So uh, yep. yeah, take that as you will. I love them. I thought that was really funny and I watched that's it That's cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas my double take was the whole stars and moons, Renji howling. We I actually went back and watched episode thirty-two again for the um, the Renji Ichigo Ooh. fight. Um, just to like see the correlation between the stars and the moon and the whole kind of hole that the anime dug themselves into and in reading back on the manga. So that was my double take. Mm, mm, mm. Mm -hmm. Nice. Cool. So fandom shout outs for this week. Uh, I'll start because I'm cheating. Um, <laughs> I've been, y'all, I've been so busy this past little while, which is why I've been MIA for a bit. So um, my level of fandom engagement has been pretty low. So rather than shouting out a fandom creation, because I just haven't had a lot of time to spend time with that, um, I'm going to shout out a canon creation that I think not everyone is aware of. Uh, and these are Bleach character songs. A lot of anime do this, uh, but Bleach, the Bleach character songs are the ones I discovered first. Um, so there are, there's, there's a group of songs called the Bleach Beats Collection, and a lot of main characters, including Ichigo and Rukia and Renji and Byakuya and a bunch of others, like Kayan and Ukita. <laughs> Kayan and Ukita, they have oh. a duet, and it slays me. Um, Ukitake's voice actor has a beautiful singing voice. It's very almost operatic. Um, Byakuya and Rukia are both professional singers. Those seiyus are. Mm -hmm. So the songs are just fucking killer. Um, in particular, I'm going to recommend one called Sky, sung by Renji's voice actor, because A, this was a pretty cool Renji episode, and B, it is the most joyful, uplifting, we can do it kind of song ever. Um, and I think technically it's considered a duet between Renji Abarai and Zabimaru, uh, which is 
which is fine. Um, but it's it's Renji singing for the most part here. Eventually, some of the characters have duets with uh, certain manifestations of their Zen Pacto, and those are sweet and cute. Um, as you go down the YouTube rabbit hole, and I think YouTube is one of the only places where you can consistently find these songs, which is kind of a bummer. Um, uh, there are also covers of opening and closing theme songs. I was stoked as fuck about Ichirin no Hana today because one of my favorite covers is a duet between Momo Seiyu and Aizen Seiyu. Mm-hmm. Aizen's, oh my God, his <laughs> voice is so deep and so evocative. Uh, and the duet that they do together is, it's its cool. I like that they gave Ichirin no Hana to Aizen and Momo. I think it's pretty pretty cool um and then the other one that i want to name and it's not just because i think he's a hot boy legit legit um, <gasps> yes. is yeah i know uh, the that life yeah. is like a boat between mayuri and nemu yeah um, they both have his oh my god oh. <laughs> like you get to a point where like some of the seiyus have incredible voices gein not so much um there's a character who shall remain nameless that naomi and i both really like who it's like oh you tried Mm-hmm. Um, this character also is given a song where he has to use a Boku first person pronoun, which is so fucking weird to hear, but whatever, buddy. Um, uh, yep, we'll talk about him so much later. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, some of them are stunning. Uh, Rukia's cover of the song Change. Ooh, <gasps> yes. Oh my God. Uh, uh, Romy Park's singing voice is actually mm. really, really beautiful. Uh, there's a song that Toshiro does called Shine, which I think is technically a duet with Yorin Maru, whatever that means in this case, because I think Romy Park is the only one singing. <laughs> I'm going to shut up now because you should just go listen to the songs mostly on YouTube. Literally fall down this rabbit hole. I don't even think it's particularly spoilery because, uh, unless you speak Japanese, really. Um, so dig around. Uh, if you feel like you're getting into spoiler territory, then just go on to another song because it, mostly it's just people talking about their motivations and uh, Byaki and Rukia have a duet. Like there's just so much good shit. So yeah. I implore you, uh, listen to the Bleach character songs, listen to the Bleach Breathless collection, which is what some of them are called, uh, and listen to the opening and closing covers. They're, they will never not bring me joy. Kamamura has one. Oh my God. There, Kenny has one. Kenny does Tonight, 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 which does. is so, oh. <laughs> so Okay, I'm actually done now. Um, That's my okay. shout out. Not exactly fandom, but definitely for the fans. So yes. please, please God, go and enjoy that lovely content. Yep. <laughs> Whereas mine takes us to Twitter. And this is actually a new Twitter account. They only started up this Twitter account I want to say last week, or unless my Twitter's gone American, in which it was last month. But, you know, (laughs) but it's it's fairly recent. It's called Bleach Scans Daily. And basically, they made this account to share the 3,500 Bleach scans they've spent the last 12 years collecting. And it's all official Bleach scans. And so they've just been kind of working their way through the different calendars. I picked this one specifically because of Yudel, um, just because of the pictures of Kuraku and Okitaki there. But this is from the official 2013 Bleach anime calendar. And they've just... Oh! And these are all official scans. They've got official um, Kubo artwork that they've collected. And that I know just... this piece of art. Yes. I've... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so if you just want your Twitter feed filled with official scans, um, then definitely check out Bleach Scans Daily, which is at Bleach Scans, and you'll definitely you'll just 
be greeted with them. They came across me because um, they also have like loads of daily, if you have a favorite character, so you can um, oh. have like daily Ukitaki or daily um, Ikida oh. in your Twitter feed. So this came around because I of- want both of those things. I'm going to. I'm going to follow Daily Mayuri. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <Of all everything. laughs> go follow the dailies and definitely go follow this guy. Um, as I say, he's only been, they've only been there a week. Um, so, yeah, check oh, them out. Sweet. For that was a up. great share. This is super cool. Thanks, Naomi. You're welcome. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we've covered a lot of ground. We have. And for only two of us, I'm pretty sure we've I know, one over. <laughs> We went into this being like, can we, do we think we can handle it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we're going to be, yeah. And Lethin, you're not here to keep us focused. That's the, no, that's the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> and of course, big shout out to Hime from the server. Uh, one of the, yes. one of the um, people from squad six on the server. So big shout out to them for giving us that sign bite and giving us their thoughts on the Bayako Wenji fight. It was really nice to hear from. Yeah, and no, that's that what we're about. Cool. We are a community, we are a community podcast. So hearing the voices from the community coming in, even if it is just like a soundbite like that, really enhances what we're here to achieve. Really yeah, good. that's always welcome. So if you're a member of the server or if you're just a listener and you want to get involved in a similar way, uh, feel free to either pop into the server, which of course will be in the show notes, or you can find us as, you know, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. We'll do the proper shout out. But like, we've got DMs, yo. If you want to get involved, let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually takes us pretty well into our little sign-off moment here. So, uh, yeah. Thank you, uh, you wonderful souls, because that's the end of another episode. If you like what you heard, and as I said, want to get involved, you can find us by searching for The Seirete on Tumblr, Instagram, and Facebook, and T Seirete on Twitter. Each of these platforms will link you to our fantastically deadly Discord family, where you can chat with us about the show, read fan fiction, take part in creative challenges, and talk anything and everything bleach now (laughs) ichigo and rukia might reap souls but we are hoping to reap some five star reviews or five moon reviews if you will because sometimes those words are interchangeable i guess um Anyway, that's where you come in. Make like our favorite orange-haired protector and Ichi go to iTunes to rate us and review us and make us feel like number one. And to those of you listening on YouTube, don't forget to be like Chad and give us that good, good thumbs up. We really appreciate it. On the next episode of the podcast, we'll be covering anime episodes 54, an accomplished oath, get back Rukia, and 55, the strongest Shinigami ultimate confrontation between teacher and students, whatever that means. We're not excited (laughs) for that at all. I think it's going to be a very boring episode. So, um, if you still care to join us after that unbridled and unprecedented amount of enthusiasm, Lord knows we'll see you souls then. Thank you so much. Till next time. Bye. Bye. We love you, Lathan. Yep, okay. <laughs> we do. <laughs>
She'll 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 get that because we were discussing in the admin. Chat. There was my instinct. I because oh, you said that, and then my instinct was to go. We love your wee Scottish ass. 